It's a very, very special episode of Tennessee Titans Talk today. One that none of us thought would happen for several years for a variety of reasons. Big fella, we all know that we have the second longest active non-losing streak behind the Chiefs, who obviously are amazing, and the Steelers, who have just been the ideal of consistency and solidness ever since drafting Ben Roethlisberger almost 20 years ago. But despite all that, today the Titans fired general manager John Robinson. He had presided over the organization for seven years, seven straight winning seasons, about to be four playoff appearances, two playoff wins, an AFC championship game, a one seed, likely a third straight divisional title this year, an offensive player of the year in Derrick Henry, and yet he was signed through 2027 and he's gone five years early. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just shows you that there's not a lot of room at the top despite having multiple winning seasons, which is very hard to do in today's NFL, even in yesterday's NFL. It's very hard to do. This roster and the decisions and moves that have been made over the last couple of years have finally come back around full circle and front office made their decision and it was to get rid of John Robinson, a guy that we had trusted a long time ago and I feel like we've been defending his you know few good draft picks for years, but it kind of came to a head this Sunday and we'll kind of get into that too. Yeah, this is it, it cannot be overstated just how dramatic a move this is. For a team that is leading its division that is going to host a playoff game that at times has looked decent this year, who two weeks ago before they dropped back-to-back games was in theory in contention for the one seed in the AFC, to now they're firing their general manager. This is a move you see either because of scandals or because it's a rebuilding tanking team tearing it down. Like if, like in the San Francisco 49ers when they finally fired Bucky. They fired him because that team was awful and they needed, they needed a refresh and they wanted to get ahead of the curve in terms of the hiring cycle. We're still a good team, despite the past couple games and just how we've looked as of recently. We're a solid, very unspectacular team, and this is the first time I can think of in a very, very long time that a general manager has been fired from a winning team that did not have to do with off-the-field concerns. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, from out, from the outside looking in, we didn't have to make this move. We aren't a team that's struggling at the bottom. We are a team at the middle, playoff and Super Bowl aspirations that is not reaching its potential and I think that's where the line is drawn and uh, when you have moves and Nathan said it um, during the draft this past year he said that this AJ Brown trade is going to determine what happens to John Robinson now and in the future and I think we kind of saw what happened and especially on Sunday where you see AJ Brown kind of go off against us and we couldn't really do anything to stop him and it just kind of shows the importance of these decisions I I also think too the reception of AJ Brown and you know our players before and after the game kind of spoke volumes as well they're all still friends they all still like each other so clearly that whole debacle of a contract situation I think it kind of boils up and this kind of points some fingers and you know maybe maybe we got the wrong side of the story or maybe you know AJ Brown is a little vindicated now it's it's time to move in Nashville and um you know we've got a we've got a Super Bowl to win we've we have playoff games that we're are going to come up um, we're going to be hosting and it's time to really get rolling you talk about sunday's game that was it was an embarrassment nathan and i who we never turn off games it was just so pathetic that at the start of the fourth quarter after the penalty that gave them a fresh instead of a field goal they went down and scored a touchdown after that we just turned it off we threw it on the side tv we pulled up red zone because after burks went out what little just energy or hope in the team just just withered away and sunday really just displayed just how many holes and issues this team has 
has, because we saw a team that has the best roster in the NFL top to bottom, that has done a really good job of hitting on draft picks, on free agency signings, on trades, and they have built a juggernaut. They have built a well-rounded team. They don't have any weaknesses. They're so deep at every level. They're so deep at the important positions. And then you look at us. This team is held together by the skin of its teeth. It's held together by some glue and some string and Mike Vrabel's great coaching in the defense and Tannehill doing just enough. But we saw that this team, just the expectations are so dim for the rest of the season. And I commented on in our group, in one of our group chats that yes, Philly is probably a top Philly is definitely a, a top three team in the NFL. Yes, it was on the road. AJ Brown revenge game, but to just be so just and just so empty and it was like yeah. no one showed up. It just yeah. it, ex- it exposed just how far this team is from the real contenders. And for a team that has been really good, has been a top five team in terms of overall record since J Rob and Tannehill and Vrabel took over, that isn't good enough. And it's more than the on field results. It's the roster. This roster is not good enough, and it fell. On on Jarob's shoulders and it did him in right and he has to be responsible for it and there's nobody else that can take that blame about building this roster and like you said um as soon as Traylon Burks went out that was the the breath of air that was gone and after then it just turned into like a, a very very ugly showing by our team in Philadelphia they played an incredible game AJ Brown I mean and this is something I was worried about we haven't been able to do preview podcasts for the last few weeks because because of the holiday, and then we've both been sick last week. But I was so worried about the emotion tied up in the whole A.J. Brown saga that we weren't going to play right. I mean, yeah, we're go- we're going up against the best team in the NFL, like you mentioned, from top to bottom roster. They're 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 built. They're ready to go, and their players are executing, which is really huge. I think Jalen Hurts is a front runner for MVP, and we saw that on Sunday. I just think it was the perfect game to kind of blow everything up and hopefully this move doesn't kind of blow us up as a team and I, I don't think it will I think a lot of players are aggravated with John Robinson recently um, and I think Vrabel taking control is going to kind of steady the ship a little bit um, because he's a player's coach and people believe and trust him so I, I have faith in Vrabel to kind of right the ship at least temporarily until we can figure some stuff out and reload. Talking about our, our group chat, one thing you did uh, share was Tannehill actually played a really good game. The problem was the blocking. The problem was we couldn't get the running game going at all. Our defense didn't really look inspired. I was hoping for a really good showing by anybody, especially Jeffrey Simmons. And, you know, he didn't really show up the way he normally does. And I think it was and just an emotional game. Burks were oh, for sure. They were lackluster. Yeah. And yes. not even to mention, we didn't have Cody Hollister. Oh yeah, who who went on IR and I'll never root for a guy to be injured, but it's one of the <laughs> things where it's like I feel bad that he's hurt, but I don't feel bad that I don't have to see him out there on the field anymore on I, offensive. Yeah, plays. I feel bad that he's hurt, but I feel bad that he's on an NFL roster yeah. or so was. The word on the street is that Vrabel and John Robinson had a blow up a fight in the office in the past couple days after Sunday's embarrassing loss. Vrabel made a drew a line saying he said it's me, urge J Rob, and they went with Vrabel, and that was 100 percent the right decision. He's the reigning yeah. coach of the year. This season has really shown that he has done a really good job of just hiding all the cracks 
backs in this roster, and they've been punching above their weight the past two seasons with all these injuries and the lackluster talent on offense due to both injuries last year and this year just not having anyone. But at some point, it has to give, and the offensive line really exposed just how just bad this roster is because you look around the league. Yes, this has been a down year for offenses, and teams have had their struggles, but plenty of teams have good young talent. They've got guys you are interested in developing. They've got weapons. They've got exciting receivers. It's a question of, oh, they don't have the quarterback, or oh, they need time to gel. With us, there's just nothing. There's You have Burks, who is the one exciting young piece on offense. The offensive line is just, it's it's it's, it's a total joke. It's a total yep. joke. Dennis Daly should not be on an NFL roster. Aaron Brewer, whoever decided he should be a tiny offensive lineman instead of him being a, a huge blocking tight end or fullback with how athletic he is, I don't know what they were thinking because you he's just too weak because there's so many plays on Sunday where he has the technique, he has the mental part down, but at some point on in line play, it's just a matter of physical ability, and Brewer does not have that ability, and yet, and yet when he's had to play center, Raddins has looked worse. Ben yeah. Jones is Ben Jones and Nate Davis are are the very cheap dollar store running glue that is holding this pathetic excuse of an offensive line together. Petit Freer has struggled after a couple nice starts. And so the offensive line for a power run team that is very open about what it does, the offensive line is a complete joke and not for lack of trying. The receivers are a total joke, not for lack of trying. And oh yeah, we could have had AJ Brown, the guy that killed us on Sunday. He could have been here. And yeah, if we don't make that trade, we don't get Burks at 18. But at 26, Christian Watson on the board and he's awesome he scored eight touchdowns in four games <laughs> he's an explosive deep threat he would aj brown and christian watson would be just fine and well lynn i'm defense, curious and yeah. i'm curious to know lynn how you really feel <laughs> i mean oh, yeah not, exactly yeah. no you, you you're right i mean our offensive line i think that's bigger than the lack of aj brown because this was the perfect week for them to get just manhandled i mean we're playing a defensive line that featured uh Linvel joseph uh, and Dominican Sue. They go um, seven. They go seven easily. E- easily. I mean, they've got guys on top of guys. They, you know, yeah. Fletcher Cox, Graham, who is a really solid player, is the third pass rusher for them. Yeah, and that's behind not fair. Sweat and Reddick, which is just I'm seeing them out as seeing over an abundance of riches, and they just beat up Tannehill. They were running by daily like it was nothing. We oh yeah, six sacks. That's a season high. Henry could get nothing going because he had two good carries in the in the second quarter, where you might think, okay. It might, he might be able to turn the game a little. It, it, that was the drive where Daly false started on third and one in the red zone. <laughs> we end up taking a field goal. Our next possession is a two-minute drill that fizzles out immediately. Our next possession, we're down 21-28, and we don't have time to run Henry. And at that point, our best player, the guy that covers up so many weaknesses just by being really good, is ineffective because they'll they'll let him run for four yards to carry when we're down three scores, and we don't have anyone on the outside to threaten us. And so, yeah. just this is this will be a turning point for the Titans because now they're seven and five. They only have to win like two games with everyone with how everyone else in the division keeps losing they're they pretty much are going to fall back ass backwards into a division title in a home playoff game and i know we will never root against them we'll always have hope but big fella right now it looks like miami would be the team the five c that would come to us if the dolphins come here and we don't get blessed with some really gross weather some sleet <laughs> like last year just to really damper to his ability do you have any hope if the dolphins come here that we'll somehow right the ship well i mean let's face it it's the dolphins or the Bengals, right Right. So, Dolphins I mean, do or you, Bengals or Ravens? Yeah, do you have hope with, well, honestly, any, any three of them? Well, I have hope against the Ravens. 
Yeah, but... Maybe the Ravens just because their offense is similarly lacking in explosiveness. But even at that point, they would still they're still the better team, and our offense is still so bad. I mean, Bengals own us. Own us. They own definitely own this current iteration of the team because we saw what they did without Chase. Now, when Chase is fully healthy, what are they going to do? And then Miami. I mean, unless the defense played out of its mind, they're the most dangerous quick strike offense in the NFL. There's no way we could keep up. And their they beat the brakes off of San Francisco. I mean, yeah, their defense is good enough, and our offensive line is bad enough that they could wreck havoc. So yeah, I mean, unless we get super lucky and the Ravens stumble into the five seed and Lamar is gimpy, you we're not feeling really confident at all. And coming into the season, you at least we at least had some hope because we go back a month ago, they took the Chiefs into overtime at Arrowhead without Tannehill, and now it's just so. And three weeks later, is whatever goodwill and momentum we've had there just has gone out the door and it's just a matter of well i mean at least the playoff streak and the winning record streak is still alive but i mean are you really trusting these guys to win a playoff game yeah i don't i don't think so um i I would like to and i'd like to see that turnaround but it doesn't feel like in 2019 where we had that that team of destiny that team of fate and they were kind of just sticking their nose everywhere it wasn't meant to be and they played tough and they you know that they had that mentality and it's not 2021 where despite all the odds they beat all the good teams Teams, and they were ready and they had to play one less game to get there and they yeah. beat all the contenders in their path this year we've lost to all the good teams and beaten all the bad teams that's been the story this season our only win against a team with a winning record is the commanders that was with Wentz versus heineke when with heineke they're six one and one so we haven't been a good team we've lost to all the bad teams i'll be with the chiefs game was close but the Bengals well, game we yeah. we just sleepwalk through that and then this philly game was a nightmare right i mean if you're considering the commanders the one of the good teams yeah if that's, that's all so yeah, that's, that's also yeah. telling you something. Uh, you know, I really don't have a lot of confidence. Thankfully, for like you're like you're talking about, we will fall backwards into this division crown because we're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars twice. We play the the Texans again. Texans again, infallible with their run defense, right? And everyone else um, has just lost so many games early on in the season that it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, we're going to play the Cowboys, and I don't think you feel confident uh, confident against against them. Oh God, I mean, no. I mean that's that's Thursday night. I mean, we have tickets. I'm sure. I'll go to that game, but I mean, I never want to speak ill of games so far in advance. That could be like the 2018 Ravens game where it's at halftime and the defense is just kicking our teeth in so much that we're just looking at each other going, what's the point? Yeah. Like, what is the point when Parsons and Lawrence and all their guys are running around Dennis Daly and laughing at him and Tannehill is getting blasted every second and Henry can't run anywhere because Trevon Diggs on Burks will do enough and he's our only explosive weapon. What is the point to watch this offense just face plant over and over and over and hope that the defense wills us to a competitive game in the second half? Yeah, and I mean, we have to hope for Derrick Henry to take the game over again. And, you know, unfortunately, you can't do that from four yards in the backfield. So he needs a little bit of help. So we'll have to figure some things out. Um, I know recently Vrabel has talked about more open competition for our offensive line spots, specifically at left tackle. I don't think we have that competition on the roster. I mean, maybe we do. You know, we signed Jamarco Jones in the offseason as a potential fill-in or plug-and-play for Saffold, but he's been on IR all year. We if you signed the Raven Clark off of a uh, off of I believe it was actually the Eagles practice squad he's a couple weeks to ago be right the competition to daily yeah I mean at least he's got your prototypical size size outside of that yeah. I don't know I'm- 
Um, I mean, it's hard. I mean, at this point, just take a chance because you literally can't be worse than Daly. Like Daly is the is the seller of offensive line play, so you can't get worse. So if there's any chance he's a tiny bit better, you gotta take that chance. Yeah, I do. I mean, I would do the same thing with Raiden to at guard instead of Brewer. I mean, at least he's bigger. He can hold his own a little bit better. It's we're not looking for um, complete game changers here. Uh, we're looking for somebody who can do just a little bit better than the guy before them. And uh, I think with Radens, you know, we, we've given him enough training wheels. Just put him in the damn game. Let him finish the game. Let it, let him finish the season. Get used to the, the rigors of um, the NFL. And we'll just kind of see what happens and what's left. You mentioned Radens. He is one of the key pieces to... Ver- to J-Rob's downfall because the 2019 draft class is amazing. It is the thing that J-Rob has hitched his hat on. It is the thing that all the defenders and the people that are feeling a little bit uncomfortable about him will point to and say, well, he drafted Jeffrey Simmons, who is a top three player to his position. He drafted A.J. Brown, who he eventually traded. Whoops. (laughs) He drafted Nate Davis, who has been a solid NFL guard. Amani Hooker is an above average safety. David Long has been a steal at a six rounder and should be re-signed. But then the 2020 and 2021 draft classes are really the nail in the coffin. Really, those two off seasons are the reason J-Rob got fired today. Because this is a league where, yes, drafting good players and extending them is important. You want to pay, you want to have the opportunity to pay Jeffrey Simmons and A.J. Brown, because that means you have players good enough to be worth paying. You don't want to be yep. like the 2015 times when there's no one worth paying and it doesn't matter who you draft, because you have all this cap space, but it doesn't matter because you don't have anyone good. It's better to be a team with a very tight cap like the 49ers and to have a roster loaded with talent. And we, right now, have no cap and we have very little young talent that's the issue and you can point to 2020 and 2021 now you can say 2020 it's the covid year everyone gets a mulligan to an extent but everyone knew at the time that isaiah wilson was a huge risk a huge gamble just a panic a panic move and he could he couldn't even make it one game he couldn't even make it like two weeks into the first offseason without getting in trouble and there has to be at some point i understand like his college coaches and his zoom interviews tricked you but you have to know better than this if you're investing a first round pick on a team that came within one half of making the super bowl and has a good offense on paper you don't take that big of a gamble you don't take a gamble on a huge character concern and a guy who's on the field Football ability was questionable to begin with. He was really big and really strong, but he had issues about speed and his pass protection. Then Christian Fulton in the second round, who has been solid for us, except he's always hurt. Darrington Evans, just just an, embar- an, an embarrassing pick because Derrick Henry just won the rushing title. He was awesome. And then the next two years, we only used Henry. No one else saw the field. Derrick Henry ran for 2,000 yards. He went offensive play of the year. We didn't need a third round scat back. <laughs> and it's just so, it's so confusing because I don't mind investing in running back. Like we saw this year with Brees Hall. You, if there's a really good player in the second round, you take him. He can be transformative like Derrick Henry in the second round. Sure. But when you, when you have that guy, you don't then need to invest premium assets into his position, especially when he's a player like Derrick Henry, where his value is precipitated on him dominating the, the workload, dominating the snap count. And Darrington Evans had probably had 20 touches for us his entire career. His body was made of glass. He was an absolute nothing. And then after <laughs> that, no one else in that draft class amounted to anything. Chris Jackson, he saw some playing time due to all of our injuries, but he was never that good. He was a tough special teamer, but he's on the IR this year. And then 2020, and then 2021 is the, is the real sinker because you had the combine, 
You had a full regular off season. Mm-hmm. You got to meet with all these players. You were coming off the best offense in Titans history. A very solid off the off the offensive talent looks really good on paper. Tannehill had an, an amazing year. Henry obviously had an historic year. AJ Brown is awesome. Corey Davis, Johnny Smith are gone. The offensive line needs some reinforcements, and the defense is awful. So yeah. he drafted. Obviously, we all know who he drafted in the first round. Caleb Farley, a guy who yes, if he had hit, would have been amazing. He was supremely talented, a 6'2 lockdown corner who could run a 4'3. The problem is his body is made of glass. Every single injury you can think of for a defensive back that would be bad, he had. Before the draft, he couldn't work out during the draft because he had to get back surgery. And J-Rob took the gamble. And I think he was betting on the same thing as Simmons, except Simmons tearing his ACL in a train in a training camp leading up to the combine. That's a fluke. That is not something that is in line with the greater trend. Having well, multiple back surgeries having multiple ACL tears, that is a trend. That is a worrying trend. And for a team that is good, that has talent, Simmons is talent, Henry, AJ Brown, Tannehill, Bayard, the defensive line once we added some guys like Autry and Dupree and Landry. We don't need to hit a home run. When you're a good team, you obviously want good players. Yeah, but, well, uh, Lane, let me stop you there because you're hitting on something that I don't think J-Rob ever ever fully understood. When you're a good team, you don't draft like a bad team. And I feel like that's what he was doing with Caleb Farley. And I hated that pick. There were so many other players we could have taken instead of him. If you wanted to take a cornerback, you could have took you could have taken Newsom. You could have taken uh, Eric Stokes. But Asante Samuel. Exactly. And But how many times have we been begging for pass rushers? And, you know, that was completely ignored. And then you see, like, like Greg Rousseau go or uh, Odafe Owe. There are plenty of guys that he could have taken. The signs were there. He ignored them and drafted like a bad team. And that's where he starts to get in trouble, like you're talking about, and reaching on these small school prospects with with insane measurables like Raiden's. There is no reason that a guy like Dylan Raiden's should be taken at 53. Not a chance in the world that he should be drafted that high, especially when there are other guys below him. I mean, a perfect guy that I want wanted very much was Creed Humphrey. If we had taken him there, we could have moved on from Ben Jones and felt comfortable about that. But we can't do that now. And we uh, we're just so tied with cap because of all these moves and these trades and trading for injured players. You know, you've got Roger Robert Woods. The Julio Jones trade didn't work out. Uh, he didn't last a full year. I mean, just, it goes J-Rob, on and on. J-Rob but yeah. kept swinging for the ceiling while paying premium assets when he didn't need to, I think is the point. Because, yes, you want to capitalize on your window, but the best teams that cons- consistently contend, consistently vie for Super Bowls, they're not, they're not trying to hit a home run every time. They're content with hitting doubles or singles. Like, Newsom or Asante Samuel would have been like a single. They don't have the upside of, of Farley. They're a lot smaller. They might be consigned to the slot, but you know they're going to be good. They're both yeah. re- very smart, really well-rounded football minds. They play the game the right way, and you can count on them. And sometimes that's what you need. Like, we see this in Philly. Yes, they have their superstars. They have A.J. Brown, who they trade for. Hurts, who has looked awesome. The offensive line is a combination of of shrewd drafting and investing top picks in Lane Johnson. The defense top to bottom is just full of guys, full of guys that are just just safe picks. Like Mil- like Milton Williams is there is like a sub package pass rushing defensive tackle. He's really valuable. They spent a third rounder on him. He it, he was never expected to be like an Aaron Donald light, like a supreme pass rusher. But he's good and he provides value. That is what we're missing. We're missing on draft picks to where they're providing value. J. Rob, the 2019 draft class got into his head and he thought the thought process that worked out in 2019 can work out every year when that's not the case. 
Sometimes, like, the draft is always a crapshoot. Sometimes you get lucky and you get a Jeffrey Simmons, which Jeffrey Simmons at 19 is a transformative draft pick. It's a great draft sure. pick. Sure. Well, I, I even criticized that that year, but that has worked out very, very well. Yes, but there's a difference in taking a defensive lineman who has who was a top five prospect before tearing his ACL, which is projected to be a clean recovery, and he's never had a track record of injuries ever. There's a difference mm. between that. When you were a team before that, we, we were stuck in the middle ground. In 2018, we didn't really know where we were going into 2019 because we still had Mariota, but that was the year of his nerve injury. We ended the year poorly. We missed the playoffs. We were a team stuck in the middle. You can afford to gamble. Like if you're a bad team or a middling team, you gamble because hitting a double or a single doesn't help you. But when you're a playoff contender, when you're a good team like us, unless you're damn sure that it's a guy like Simmons where a top prospect fell for due to a one-off injury, everything else is good. You only then do you take that risk because now we look at this roster. I mean, we essentially lost two years of drafts for nothing. You look at 2020, you look at 2021. You have Christian Fulton when he's healthy. You have, and then you have Rashad Weaver, who only played this year. Out of 10 draft picks in two years in the top 174, when you can get good players all over the place, 10 picks, there are two contributors in Christian Fulton and Rashad Weaver. Elijah Molden, you can, I'll give half to because he's been hurt this year. So two and a half good players. Would you give half to Monty Rice or no? No, because he didn't play much as rookie year. Then this year, he's hardly played. True. Because he got unlucky with that awful knee injury. But again, if you have so many picks when you can find good players and you can't get anyone good, like Christian Fulton is the best player here. Christian Fulton is fine. He's like an okay CB2. That should not be the best player you draft out of 10 draft picks in good spots. Out of four, out of four first and second rounders, three of them should not be worthless. Well, I mean, that, seven of them were top hundred. Yeah, but the, and that's far, that the, you far, cannot afford to fail or to miss on those picks at this rate. I mean, when you consider that out of those one, two, three, four, out of those seven top hundred players, that only one, five of them are here, two of them play. Like it, you can't do that. And then, of course, I have to mention Des Fitzpatrick, <laughs> who, who we traded up for, who no one thought was good. This in a case of oh, he's kind of. A sleeper yeah he's got interesting measurables no this is a guy that's a total jack he's a total bum he's average he's like 6'1 200 he runs a 4 4 9 this is the most basic cookie cutter receiver you could possibly draft you can find this guy anywhere anytime any draft you take him over Amon Ross St. Brown and every week as I'm assuming if they watch around the NFL we do because we watch Red Zone. We knew Amon hmm. St. Brown is awesome. He is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. He's one of the best receivers, period. And you just think, if you put Amon Ross St. Brown in our offense, if you took the guy that was a five-star prospect whose family is full of elite athletes, who bro- whose brother was drafted in the sixth round, who was a five-star recruit who produced at USC, if you just take the obvious pick, because he was the last good receiver at that point in the draft. You just take that guy, plop him in there. Even last year, AJ Brown, Amon Ra, how how <laughs> different could things be? Even this oh, year, man. just having that consistent threat. Because we talk about Phillips like, oh, he can, might, he might be something in the slot. Amon Ra St. Brown is Kyle Phillips, If is the Kyle Phillips that only exists in our dreams. He no, is, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's a Kyle, Kyle Phillips. I mean, there, it it's not even fair to Amon Ra to, to do that. He's, he's a bona, he could be a bona fide wide receiver one. I mean, he, I mean he's he been playing like that. He is, and, people will dock him because his his explosion last year was when they were on bad teams. But you look at him, he is he's the most unstoppable short yardage, high yeah. volume target guy in the NFL. Well, and this he's, year he's been doing it against good teams. I mean, ugh. And and tw- the 2019 draft really just kind of paints a nice glossy sheen over just how not good J-Rob has been as a drafter. Because you go by year, Jack Conklin was a good draft pick. He gave us three great years of offensive line play. Then we he whiffed on Kevin Dodd, Austin Johnson, Derrick Henry, amazing pick. 
pick. Kevin Byard, amazing pick. Then 2017, this is this is the one that you look back because there were so many good players and we walked away with none of them. Corey Davis yeah. at five, Adoree Jackson at 18. There are so many good players in the first round we could have taken at better at positions that we needed. Like we needed a corner, we could have taken Lattimore. We could have taken Tredavious White. We didn't have any edge rushers. We could have taken TJ Watt. Then in the third round, we took Taewon Taylor over Chris Godwin. Jonu Smith, legit good pick. Jayon Brown, really good pick. 2018, we only had four picks because he traded up twice. Rashawn Evans was a bust. Harold Landry well, has been really... I wouldn't say Evans is a bust. He was, incre- I, I think he was he's incredibly a bust. underwhelming for a first round pick. No, he. I, I think he played well. I think he's a bust in the sense that he didn't get the extension, but he played pretty decent in spots, and maybe I'm biased because of the playoff run in 19 and he played like you know the uh, like a teddy brewski type but yeah, he had, I he had some heroic moments against the patriots for sure even right even right now I, he's i think he's leading the nfl in tackles or he's close to he's within the top five um he's playing decent football and he can play decent football the problem is that we didn't really give him the supporting cast and you know once dean pease left as defensive coordinator i don't think the remaining coaching staff really cared for him but so i i wouldn't i wouldn't consider Rashawn Evans a bust and I think you were going to get to Landry then Landry has been a really good pick this Landry is what I'm talking about when I'm saying you can hit doubles and that's good now Landry yeah. is like halfway to a triple I think just because of how solid he is but Landry's a guy that's like yeah he isn't super elite in size but he's got good he's got good bend he's good against the run he's super durable he, Landry has been a dependable foundational piece of the defense for so long and we definitely miss him this year and if we had a Landry type every year that would be amazing because he he's in a redraft Landry goes in the first round so say, sure I I think saying like, oh, if we could just draft a Harold Landry type level player in the first in the second round, you would do that. But just that kind of player where I don't think like at the time, I didn't think Landry was like, he wasn't a guy where you think like, oh, at his ceiling, he is an all pro level edge rusher that can destroy games. But he's a he was a very good polished prospect at a high value position. And that has value. And that's worth drafting. And that was a good pick. The problem is he traded a fourth and a third to trade up for Evans and Landry. So we only had four picks this draft. One of them, Evans, the first round pick was underwhelming. Then 2019 is amazing. 2020 is just a dumpster fire. 2021 is a dumpster fire. And 2022 is to be determined. So just looking at it, like 2016, he whiffed on two very high second round picks, but he's got three, he got two all pros and Jack Conklin who made an all pro for us. 2017, I think, I think 2017 is actually and the more time goes on is going to be the draft that people look at and wonder what could have been because you just sure. look at the capital invested Corey Davis Adoree Jackson Taewon Taylor just there are so many better players that turned out that we didn't get 2018 well, I think just, I think Adoree Jackson could very well justify being 18 picked at 18 with how Corey Davis New York obviously this year, not I think, I think with how Adoree has played this year for New York he would have been worth it but he wasn't like that for us and you have to wonder no. is it just scheme is it just yeah, I think it was his injury when yeah. he got injured he came back he was a different corner he wasn't playing the same way and he was not playing with that same intensity and then you know we didn't we i think we ex- we were extending him and then traded we him pick, immediately it was some we weird up the, we picked up the fifth year option beforehand then we cut him yeah very weird um the way that all went down but i i think adori is worth worthy of the 18 spot in that draft um personally i liked marshawn Lattimore as at five i wanted us to double dip at corner or i wanted us to take juju um juju at 18 and 
Adori at five, but you know, I'm not king of the world. And then of course the AJ Brown trade, we don't, we're, we're not going to talk about that anymore. We all know what it's like. We all know how it went down and it was the final piece because we watched him decimate us and we watched him transform what was a good team last year into a great team this year. And at this point, I think that's all we can really say about J-Rob. I mean, credit to the guy. He worked here for seven, seven years, give or take, never had a losing season. At times we peaked really high. We had some really good rosters. Him trading for Ryan Tannehill, might be one of the best moves this franchise will ever have and took us from a okay team to a contender. Yeah, but I would at, agree. Some, at some point, you can only rest in your laurels for so long. And he, I mean, he made his own fate. He made the draft picks. It, he wasn't like a coach that got saddled with a bad GM who had to work with bad players. Vrabel has done a good job of making this team better than it should be. J. Rob will certainly bounce around. He's not a bad person in the front office, but at some point, you can just stagnate, I think. Because when he yeah. came in those first couple of years, even though the result never always worked out. The process was definitely there, and the process was really encouraging, especially compared to what we used to have. Just watching him draft and the moves he made, he was really good at taking a poorly, a bad roster, the worst roster in the NFL. He was really good at taking us from the bottom of the barrel to pretty good and even great at times. But at some points, he lost his touch, he got unlucky, and that's just the cruel nature of the NFL. It's it's the NFL for a reason, not for long. So J-Rob will get a position somewhere. He might go back to New England with how open that position is. He'll still he'll stick around he's not he's a good person to have he just might not be the guy to have so oh for sure and i mean his successful picks they they add some credit to his experience it's i i just think j-rob is gonna he's a guy that you know he shouldn't be driving the car yeah he i mean he 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 can be a v player yeah Yeah, he can be a vp of player personnel he can be somebody but i don't think he needs to be a gm and maybe that's a biased right now but i think if I, you know, I'm more convinced that he might have been the reason why the AJ Brown thing did not work because I feel like everybody else was on board and maybe he wanted to be a little too shrewd, a little too, I don't know. But, but I, I think, like you said, he will bounce around. He will stay in this league. He deserves to stay in this league. He's been in this league a very, very long time. And he's done a lot of that grunt work that nobody wanted to do. And that's got him to where he is right now. And there is some merit there. He's, I wish he's him well. He's not the guy to have for the big moves. For, right. your, for your huge trades, your premier free agency signings, your first round picks, your second round picks. But for your, for your bargain bin free agency moves, your cheap trades, taking off guys that no one wants, your mid-late round draft picks, he is that is where he made his money that is where he made this team really good yeah well and, and that that candle has died down a bit because he hasn't made a, a Tannehill like trade since he did it I mean he tried and did everything with to get Julio and that was at the request of AJ Brown and and our entire fan base you and I included and then when yeah, it we, happened we on that. yeah we all we all did and you know Julio he presents an incredible opportunity and some incredible value but it didn't work out for us he he turned into Mr. Made of Glass and it, it didn't work. Um, but outside of that, you know, he didn't really have a whole lot of other tricks in the bag. And that's, I think, what did him in. If he had if he had provided one of those tricks, I really don't know. Maybe maybe we'd still be having this conversation, but maybe we wouldn't. And that should wrap it up for Tennessee Times Talk. Thanks. To, I want to say thank you to Big Fella for hopping on such short notice to just unpack all that has happened. This is 
probably going to end up being the biggest day of the Titans season at this point. Definitely a crossroads moment, as Rabel alluded to on Sunday. In a couple years, hopefully we're looking back and we realize that this is a move similar to moving on from Malarkey, where credit to the guy for building us up from bad to decent. But at some point, you can't tolerate decent. You have to be good. You have to be great. And J-Rob had, J-Rob had failed at that point, but that part of the Titans history is over. Looking forward to the new one. Hopefully it, hopefully it has some good things in store, but until then, tighten up. Tighten up.